0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Welcome, everybody. We got another edition of the No Huddle Show with Mike and Sam. I got Sam uh, calling in live today, and this time we have uh, zero technical difficulties, it seems like. Well, does, that sounds
0: perfect, doesn't it? We should throw a party or something, right?
1: I think so. I think this is the first time that you've calling in remotely that, uh, in a while that we haven't had any technical difficulties on our end. So let's uh,
0: yeah, score one for the good guys.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Sir, I'm sorry I missed you. We missed you guys on uh, on Monday, which is why we moved it out to Tuesday. Uh, get us kicked off, Mike.
1: All right, man. So this time of year, I wait all summer. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the summertime. Summer is my favorite because it's nice outside. You can do so many activities. But I look forward to the kickoff of college football season every single year. I wait May through, you know, August. Get to this point right here, and we had week zero kickoff, and now this is officially week one starting for college football this Saturday, which we'll get to more on on Friday. But my season's already ruined. I mean, the
0: the question the question is is your whole season ruined, or is just like the first half of your season ruined?
1: No, the, the whole season is ruined because let me tell you right now, as a diehard Nebraska fan, what I saw at Illinois is what I've seen the previous three years under Scott Frost. Nothing's changed. There's the same same sloppy play, the same mistakes, the same timidness. So nothing I saw against Illinois leads me to believe
0: that they can turn it around this year. Because
1: Scott Frost just doesn't have the chops yet.
0: Yeah, just had a quick question. I'm sorry to to, to interrupt. Yeah. I know I know you're going on your Nebraska tour, but I mean, Adrian Martinez looked good to me, if you ask me, right? He still looks oh, decent. Looks
1: god awful. Does he really? He looks Mart- okay. No, no, no. Adrian Martinez is not a power five quarterback. He missed so many wide open throws that could have changed the game on a dime. I, I will give you an example. I will give you an example. Yeah. We're up nine to two. Oh, I'm sorry. We're up. Uh, two. okay? We've gotten a touchdown after Illinois got a safety, okay? We yep, continue, are at first, we're at first and goal. We're at first and goal from, like, the Illinois, like, eight-yard line. He has a receiver wide open in the end zone. There's not a single Illinois defender around him, and he throws it above his head. And they had to settle for a field goal to make it 9-2 when if they score the touchdown and kick the extra point, which, by the way, Nebraska's kicker botched two extra points, uh, costing us two at least two points right there. But that's the story for later. Uh, so, if we go up 13-2 there with all that momentum, I think we can go win that game. But what happens is we kick the field goal, and then on Illinois' next position, they, possession, they come down and tie the game at 9. Okay? Then... We get an interception. Uh, we have a chance uh, to try to go down the field and make something happen before. It happens. And lo and behold, he does what he does best. He fumbles the football, and it's a scoop and score play for Illinois, and they go up sixteen to nine. Then they rattle off two more touchdowns to go take a thirty to nine lead midway through the third quarter, Nebraska ended up coming back a little bit. Uh, they had a chance to go down to get a touchdown and do a two-point conversion to try to tie the game with under a minute left. And uh, once again, Martinez fell short. He couldn't get anything going. Uh, so Scott Frost, here's the damning thing, Sam. I, I want to tell you because... Brett Bielema is the head coach at Illinois. This is his—he's no stranger to the Big Ten, but this is his first year in the Big Ten. This is his first—no, I'm sorry. This is the first, his first year with Illinois. Okay, brand new coach, brand new schemes. Okay, Scott Frost said in his press conference that they had spent the majority of their preparation preparing for an odd man front, so they were preparing for a three man front. Okay, that's what Illinois apparently showed in the spring game. Uh, so that's what they prepared for. He literally said in the press conference, them switching to an even front, so a four-man front, made them throw half their game plan out
0: the window. Excuse me? But wouldn't you wouldn't you prepare for both a little bit? I mean, at, granted, I mean, look, if you have a defensive uh, playbook that you follow, you know, a certain front that you follow, doesn't mean that's going to stay the same throughout the entire game, right? You can see different packages. You can see you'll be able to – so they purely just prepared for a three-man front, more or less.
1: Pretty much. And here's the thing. You are a – you're the head coach at Nebraska. Nebraska isn't some – it's not Duke, okay? It's not not Oregon State. It is a blue blood program, uh, although we're rapidly approaching irrelevant status. But it's a blue blood program. You're making $5 million a year, and you mean to tell me that you can't adjust your offense, that you had to throw half your game plan out the window because you weren't expecting them to throw you a four-man look? I don't think I would ever hear Urban Meyer say, yep, well, they came at us with some different defensive packages that we just weren't expecting, so we just, we just our game plan was wrecked and we had to just wing it. No, he is not prepared. Scott Frost has not shown the ability and his this is
0: now his fourth season at Nebraska the excuses are gone.
1: is he running out of
0: time? in your opinion, has he run out of time already or he's is, run out is, of time. Is it, he's, he's out of time now
1: four. Here's the thing. you are in year four at your school okay I heard the cupboard was bare. okay when he first got there, his first season there there was not a lot of NFL talent. He has completely flipped the roster but most, every single good coach that is worth their chops might struggle for one season, but will at least have a winning record by year two. Every single coach at every single program that has been there for the long haul has been able to do this for the most part, okay? You look at Saban at Alabama – he went 7-5 and five his first year, then he won 10 games the second year, and then you know the rest of the story there. Not every
0: coach But, but you can't really compare the Nick Sabans to like no. Scott Frost, right? No, no, right. No. So you would get a good comp. A good comp let me, let me, for Scott Frost would be what, in your opinion?
1: Well, hold on. I don't even know what the comp would be, but let me just tell you about a coach named Matt Rule, who's currently the Carolina Panthers head coach, okay? Correct. Sure. He took over a Baylor team that was mired in controversy mired in controversy. They had all kinds of suspensions and things from Art Briles because there was a rape culture at Baylor, okay? So 2016 was their final, uh, they went seven and six, and then all these sanctions came down with the scandal, came down after that. Matt Rule came in from Temple. They went one and 11 his first year. By year two, they went seven and six and by his final year at, at Baylor, they won eleven games. They were eleven and three. Eleven. So he
0: said he he drastically changed the culture after his first season.
1: Exactly. And then let me give you another guy. Let me give you another guy. Matt Campbell. Okay, Matt Campbell, who was currently the head coach at Iowa State. Okay, at Iowa State, they don't have a history of winning. Uh, the year before he took over, they were coming off a they were coming off a 2 and 10 season and a 3 and 9 season, okay? His first year there, they go 3 and 9. His second year there, they go 8 and 5. And then they go 8 and 5 again, and then 7 and 6, and then last year they go 9 and 3. And then this year they're they're thought to be a team that could compete for the Big 12 title. So, Matt Campbell at Iowa State, who has no resources and has a terrible history in college football and and had literally won in the, in the three seasons before he got there, in the three seasons before he became coach there, they won a grand total of eight games in three seasons. He, he struggled his first year. They went 3-9. He's had a winning season ever since then. So don't tell me that it can't be done at a place like Nebraska. Don't tell me that Scott Frost needs more time. He's in year four now, and it's the same stuff over and over. Bad penalties. Poor special teams play.
0: The, hey, the, let me ask you one question, what, okay. so, real quick, real quick. You know, what would be, what would constitute a, a successful season for Scott Frost this year? A bowl game? I would, would that think, would that constitute success? If he, get,
1: if, he get, if he's somehow able to get to seven wins this year, if he's somehow able to get to seven wins, I think he buys himself some time. If he goes seven and five and gets to a bowl game, I think he buys himself some time. But with this schedule and from what I saw in their first game, seven looks tough there's, to t- tough There's to make.
0: no chance in hell. Yeah. L- l- listen to this schedule, Sam.
1: Okay. All right. So this week is a gimme, and I, I can't even call any game on
0: Nebraska's schedule. You sound like a Jets fan. I'm sorry to cut you off. You sound, you <laughs> sound like me how, when it comes to the Jets. By the way, FYI.
1: <laughs> so the, you, you can't call any game a gimme, but let's, the next two games are against Fordham at home, and against Buffalo. They should beat both
0: those teams.
1: Then they got to go to Oklahoma, which hopefully Oklahoma doesn't
0: score 50 by halftime against us. That's okay? not happening. That's, I'm, so Oklahoma's a wash for you guys. That's a loss. Yeah. L.
1: At Michigan State, then then home against Northwestern, home against Michigan, then we got to go to Minnesota, then we got a bye week, then we're home versus Purdue, home versus Ohio State by week, then at Wisconsin and home versus Iowa, if dude. That's a win, horrible schedule. Horrible if, schedule. Yes, if we get to seven wins, because I was thinking seven. I was thinking we'd get to seven wins, and that was counting beating Illinois in the first game. Okay, we now have to beat Fordham and Buffalo. We got to beat Michigan State. We got to get a game against Northwestern. That's four. We got to somehow find a way to beat. Minnesota or Michigan beat Purdue and then split Wisconsin or Iowa to get the seven wins. And I don't, I don't see it happening. I don't, here's what I honestly think is going to happen. We're, we're going to beat Fordham. Then we're going to sneak by Buffalo. Okay. I think we beat Fordham like something like, okay, it won't be close. But then Buffalo who made a bowl game last year, there's something in my gut that tells me, you know what, we're, we're going to struggle to beat them, but we'll win, like, 28 to 23. Then we're going to get flat-out massacred by Oklahoma, and the season's going to go in the tank from there. We'll win one more game. And I think we finish this season three and nine, and it's time to show Frost's pasty white ass the
0: fucking door. <laughs> so, uh, going back going back to Nebraska for a quick second, I know you're very – passionate about college football, you're passionate about Nebraska, what, in your opinion, changes, besides mixing the whole, you know, coaching staff and starting all over again, what changes things for Nebraska? How can you get a big-time coach or at least a well-versed coach, someone that's been in, been at least, you know, uh, in some sort of relevancy, at least on a staff or something, what do you do at that point? Two things. Around.
1: We cut all ties with Tom Osborne, and I'll explain that statement in a minute. Okay. And number two, we oh, we go to several donors um, that have big pockets, including Warren Buffett, and we say. I mean,
0: obviously, because you're in Nebraska, right? So you yeah, go you you go to the rich man and you ask him to what fund the football program.
1: I'm just saying, go go to your boosters and uh, get, the, get the buyout taken care of for Scott Frost and open up the pocketbooks for big names. Here's why I say don't go. The t- cut ties with Tom Osborne. The team is too attached to something that happened 20-plus years ago. Tom Osborne was a great head coach. He won three national titles. He won 255 football games and only lost 42. He went to a lot of bowl games. He won a bunch of conference titles. He was a great coach. I love Tom Osborne. But here's the problem. Tom Osborne has had his hands in everything since he retired. When he retired, we, at that point in time, we were coming off three national championships in four years. We could have had any damn coach we wanted. Correct. Correct. And he handed the keys to Frankie Solich. And nothing against Frankie Solich. He did a great job at Ohio University. But he, we handed Frank Solich a
0: Porsche or a Ferrari. And when he was done – He barely had his learners permit, pretty much.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, he didn't keep recruiting up. Then after he goes, we bring in Bill Callahan from the Raiders, okay? Bill Callahan, uh, he had his faults, but he was a good recruiter. Tom Osborne didn't like him. Uh, didn't like his style because he kind of
0: tried to change too much. So
1: then after Bill... But don't you need change, though?
0: You're not going to continue that Osborne era forever, right?
1: No, no. But the problem was he changed too much. He went to this West Coast offense. We went from an option-based team to a West Coast offense. It was a whole fiasco, okay? So then, then Tom Osborne is our athletic director, and he brings in Bo Pelini, okay? Bo Pelini was a... Solid coach, if not flawed. Bo Pliny's biggest problem is he was lazy on the recruiting trail and he couldn't make adjustments. Bo Pliny would win eight, nine games every year because he was, he was beating everybody who he was supposed to beat, but he couldn't win the big games against the Wisconsin and the Ohio States and the Penn States. That was his biggest issue. Okay? So then we get to Mike Riley, nice guy Mike. Who also didn't fit with the culture of Nebraska, and then Tom Osborne had a big hand in bringing Scott Frost here. Okay, we need to cut ties and not worry about what Dr. Tom Osborne thinks. We need to open the pocketbook for a big-name head coach and go from there. That's that's step one, and 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 they need they need to open up the money, and if, if you want to be, Nebraska considers themselves an Alabama an Ohio State, a Notre Dame, a USC. So if you want to be like those big boys, then you've got to spend like the big boys. And no more of this shit where you're bringing in uh, coaches who, were, who would have no head coaching experience like Bo Pelini or bringing in guys that never really won big like Mike Riley or bringing in guys who were coached at a lower level that didn't quite – Uh, that don't have a ton of experience at a Power 5 program like Scott Frost and no bringing in NFL guys who never coached at the college level like Bill Callahan. I want a proven Power 5 head coach that has been at a program that is in the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC, 12, or the Pac-12. If it's Matt Campbell, so be it. If we have to get Chris Peterson out of retirement, uh, who last coached at Washington, so be it but I want a big-name head coach, and I
0: want to spend the dollars. If that, that's what it's going to take to get Nebraska back. Because Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, and I, I'm, I'm going to continue this college football thing because it's, it's interesting to me. I'm not as into it as you are, but I want another quick thing. Would you take, like, a controversial coach like Sarcasian or something like that? Would you pick someone that is possibly good as a coach but bad for the culture?
1: At this point, I don't care if he sold drugs to babies. If he wins football games, <laughs> put him as the head coach, okay? I would take Art Bryles at this point. I don't want Steve Sarkeesian because I frankly don't think he's a good head coach.
0: I right, but I was giving the example of someone that's yeah. shamed, shamed almost, you know, for what he's done and what, how Art he's Bryles. behaved himself and so on and so forth.
1: Art Bryles is someone that's been ashamed.
0: He built a rape culture at
1: Baylor. He let his football players run wild. But the man won 11 games four years in a row at a school like Baylor. If you told me Art Bryles was our next head coach, I'd be like, okay, we made a deal with the devil. But, you know, as long as it wins football games, uh, I'm in. Because at this point, this is just sad. It is sad for me. But Nebraska – you know, the the thing is, Scott Frost knows what needs to be fixed, and you can watch the game and you can see what needs to be fixed, but he hasn't done it. So I'm sorry. My faith in Scott Frost has been lost. I think I don't have any faith that he can turn it around and get to seven wins this year. And uh, if he wins
0: less than six games this year, he has to be fired.
1: I think he has Seven
0: with that schedule is really tough, bro. It's not happening.
1: I know. It's, it's not, not happening. happening. I know it's not happening, but I would say even if six wins, I'd give him another year, one more year. But it, I, I can't in good faith say, after four years, after four years, and not the, the, the same movie. I, I can't, I can't let him, I can't let him, I, can't in good faith put my support behind him or the program anymore. So,
0: okay, well that's your that's your quick little uh, ten minute bit. On, yeah. uh, on Nebraska.
1: Yeah. yeah that's uh, something as you, uh, as our listeners can uh, clearly see that I'm very passionate about because uh, that is my team. Uh, it is the only team that I have that my day is made or ruined by what happens on the field. So,
0: Yeah, Nebraska is not a slouch of a team. It's a proper D1 school that has a name and a backing and like a, you know, it's it, People can relate to that school, right? So you're, kind of, I agree with it. You, the last couple of years, you've been kind of flushing it down the toilet.
1: Yeah, it's awful. We're just it's so tarnished right now that I don't know if we're ever coming Bring back. Bring in
0: Greg Schiano? I'm just
1: kidding. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I think he's happy that at Rutgers because the expectations aren't too high. If, if Greg Schiano wins seven, eight games every year at Rutgers,
0: he's a god. Oh, yeah, that's because, I mean, you're used to winning two games for like 10 years, you know, right, right straight. So, yeah, I could totally see that. Um,
1: Moving on here to some uh, NFL news, guys. I-, I wanted to ask you, Sam, on a scale of 1 to 10, how surprised were you that Cam Newton was cut by the Patriots today?
0: Not surprised at all, friend. I'm sorry. And last year, Cam Newton, you did me uh, well for a couple of games. You are on my fantasy football roster. I thought I got a steal because I picked you up off the waiver wire. Um, I'm sorry, man. At this age, a former MVP, kind of sloppy, you know. And everyone is judging him based on last year's performance. And, yeah, he had rushing touchdowns, and that was fine and dandy. But, you know, he did not command that offense. He was very uh, turnover prone. So I, I, don't, I, don't, um, I don't blame the Patriots for cutting him. I actually like the fact that they didn't explore trade uh, option with him, and the reason why I, I, I think that's cool is because if there was like a scenario where they were like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna trade you, let's explore the options, the media would have gotten wind caught wind of that, and they would have made a big deal out of it, you know, um, you know, saying like, hey, you know, they're trying to get rid of Cam Newton this that the other, It would have turned they would have turned into something that really it wasn't really there, you know. He didn't play yeah. well last year. I think he could still. Be you know productive on a squad that maybe has a young QB. You know, um, I don't think he deserves to England start in the league anymore QB. though.
1: New England has a young QB. You, you you don't
0: mean that? No no no. So New England's built built more on like the, like a passing game, um, uh, because they've historically never had running backs. So you need to be a pocket passer. So Cam Newton doesn't fit in that mold. I would say like a a young uh, a young QB. I, I mean, if Deshaun Watson was still in uh, you know, in uh, Houston and on the Texans and playing on this year on the roster. I could see him being a backup, backup for, for him. I could see him being a backup for Dak. I could see him being a backup for, again, uh, teams that run schemes that, that use his...
1: What, a, what um,
0: about a place like... I could see him doing well in Philly as well because Jalen Hurts hasn't has proved shit, to be honest with you. Yeah. But then again, that offense is predicated on being able to pass. So Cam still can't... Dude, Cam, his when he when they had Christian McCaffrey his rookie year cam was missing him on 5 yard wheel routes out of the backfield like it's just it's disgusting his accuracy <clears throat> i don't know what happened to his accuracy cuz he was somewhat accurate when he when he played you know uh, in, in the in, in college he was at auburn you know he was somewhat accurate and then again college is a different ball game than nfl but he never hovered at that 70% mark or 68 or 67 He's always uh, been 60, maybe, 61, 58, things like that, you know, and that percentage is not going to cut it. Even 60 doesn't cut it. I'm sorry. 60 is considered good for an NFL quarterback, but, dude, if you want to be elite and you're an MVP, you has got to be in his, Yeah, exactly, 65 or higher, at least, at least.
1: So, well, let me ask you a question, Cam Newton, because he's only 32
0: years old and he just turned
1: 32 this year in May, so just a couple months ago. Russell Wilson's also 32, there's a lot of quarterbacks who are still in their prime at 32. So guys like Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Peyton Manning. You know, why does Cam Newton? Why does Cam Newton look washed
0: already? Dude, Cam Newton has taken so many hits in his career. Yeah, he's a big body. He's a big boy to get down. But Cam Newton has taken so many hits in his career that he's lost a lot. He can't run over linebackers the way he used to in 2015. He can't, um, you know, sling a pass right before the line of scrimmage that he was doing again the year they went to the, the you know, the Super Bowl. Cam Newton looks washed up because his game is predicated on com- something completely different, in my opinion. On
1: athleticism, would you
0: say? Yes. Uh, yeah, whereas, you know, you look at your Brady's, your Roethlisberger, they look at accuracy. They look at, you know, uh, being able to still throw the deep ball, dude. You know who the perfect, uh, you know, um, comparison? or well, not comparison. The perfect. Example of someone that is still elite, but um, it should be, you know, cons- I mean, you could say that he's on his way to being washed up is, is Matt Stafford, you know. So Matt yeah. Stafford uh, has thrown over 4,000 yards with like a 62, 63% completion percentage almost every year that he played a full 16 game schedule. You know, he went over 5,000 yards as well. So uh, Matt Stafford. It still has the deep ball. Still has his accuracy. Still has the ability.
1: Things in L. A. Too. Oh, I
0: think he's gonna do great in L. A. Because that offensive line is gonna give him time to throw, and he has receivers to throw to: Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. They got a couple of. They got Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, two really young tight ends. Um, I mean, I think with Sony Michelle and Darrell Henderson, they can handle a decent run game as well. That defense is what's scary. The defense is what gives that offense so much time on the field. Which is yeah. where that time of possession will come in handy, and he'll be able to score those. He'll be able to punch in those touchdowns that Jared Goff was not able to do last year. Yeah. So I want to point something
1: out real quick on Cam Newton, his MVP year in 2015, and the year they went to the Super Bowl. Speaking of completion percentage, he only completed 59.8% of his. That's past.
0: absolutely disgusting that
1: he didn't even hit 60. Yeah. He was.
0: He threw thirty-five touchdowns.
1: He threw ten interceptions total, and then he—he he also ran for like
0: ten touchdowns, I think.
1: Yeah, he ran. Um, I, I don't see that stat here in front of me, but uh, yeah, he also he ran for I believe uh, almost three hundred, uh, almost three
0: hundred yards that season as well. Uh, and oh, there it is—eleven touchdowns. There you go. So he he ran for eleven and threw thirty over thirty thirty-five. I think he said yes. That's pretty damn good. But, dude, that 59% completion percentage, yuck, man. That well, happens I mean, when you have your burst as well, too, you know, yeah. the ability to run.
1: Let me tell you, the last year he was in Carolina, and he started 14 games. Uh, he completed 68% of his passes, so 3,395 yards. And 13 he 90s. had an
0: injury. He had, I think that year he had an injury, right?
1: Yeah. Then, then last year for New England, he completed 65.8% of his passes. So he was almost at 66% for 2,657 yards, 8 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. But he, even in his prime, he was throwing 10, 14, 12 interceptions. So the interceptions have always kind of been there. The 8 touchdowns is low. But let me tell you what, can
0: you name me a receiver on New England last year? Yeah, I could. That's Keel okay. Harry, Jacoby Myers, um, Edelman was there for, like, two games. Before. Oh, no, actually, Edelman didn't play last year. I take that back. But, wait, hold on. Before you even jump to that question, I don't care about that, that is an inflated stat. Look at his yards per uh, per, per throw attempt that, that he had. It's disgusting. If you throw in four wait. yards, it's easy to, to complete 65% of your passes. Wait, right? wait,
1: wait. Let me just – let me point this out. I'm going to point this out to you, Okay. 2000 uh, 2015, okay, when he had his MVP year, his average yards per attempt was 7.8, okay? Last year, it was
0: 7.2. Okay, fine. Fair enough. Still not good enough. Still not good enough. Seven is not good enough.
1: 7.2, though, right, which match, matched his – which was higher than some of the numbers he put up in Carolina when he was still throwing – for over 3,000 yards. I'm just saying, to me, if I rated it, I would give myself at least a solid seven that he was cut. I could see Mac Jones winning the starting job over Cam Newton, but I still thought New England would at least keep Cam Newton there. I
0: thought they would keep him until he won the job. I guess he had won the job already, and they didn't want to kind of put Cam in that position where he's benched as a starter. Maybe, possibly, but if you think of it this way, rookies, are also up and down. Rookies also have, you know, ability to do wall. really well and do do really bad. You know, yeah. if, if you know, Matt Jones starts crapping, the, you know, all of a sudden, and Bill Belichick can yank him at that point and say, can, you know what? You can't, at least you'll replicate last year. So give it a yeah. shot. I think he deserves a chance on a roster. I don't think he can start anymore. That's my thing.
1: I don't know. I think he can start in the right situation. I, I'll be honest with you. If I'm Denver, I, you know, maybe I'm... Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, Denver should have been where he went, not the Patriots. It, yeah. Drew Locke, instead of going after Teddy Bridge, they have a run game, bro. These guys, yeah. between both their backs and their rookie backs that they picked up last year, it was Lindsey and Gordon. He would have done yeah. great with both of them. He would have he yeah. would have boosted their stocks, if anything. They have good receivers. Yeah. They got Sutton. They have Jerry Judy. They got Noah Fant. They have some weapons, you know. Cam can throw to these guys still. 10 yards, 5 yards, and, and Jerry Judy has a great yards after catch. You know, hey. so you know there, there's a lot of things. Where, and granted, Sutton got hurt last year. He didn't play. Nonetheless, he would have been way better off in Denver last year than he was on the Patriots.
1: I'm going to tell you the team he needs to go to right now. The team that needs to open up their pocketbooks and go ahead and sign them because it's not going to cost much. The Washington football team. And the reason I say it... Absolutely. The reason I say that they got Antonio Gibson, okay. They got J.D. McKissick, who's a great receiving back, okay. Um, they got Terry, um,
0: what's his what's his name? Terry McLaurin, right? Yep. They got McLaurin, yep.
1: And then they got the nice tight end Logan, Logan Thomas.
0: Thomas. Logan Thomas. Yep.
1: yep. So there's, and they have a fantastic defense. A fantastic defense with Chase Young, uh,
0: and
1: Montez Sweat. And all these guys, they have a fantastic yeah. defense. Sweat, attitude. pain,
0: young—all three of those guys are beasts on the line. Beasts.
1: So then you got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who can sometimes journeyman. Journeyman.
0: Team. He's a journeyman QB. He could sit, sit back. He could sit back. He could sit back. He doesn't need to start. Fitzpatrick does, should, he, in, in my opinion. Cam Newton should start over Fitzpatrick on that squad. He
1: should, too. But we also know that Fitz Magic he runs hot cold, right? He'll have four-game stretches where he looks like the best quarterback in the NFL, and then he'll have a five-game stretch where he looks like he shouldn't even be starting in the NFL.
0: So, so, let alone hold a job as a second stringer for that matter.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, I, I think Cam Newton, if,
0: if I'm Cam, I, I'm, I'm happy. Oh, to- I say, I say Riverboat Ron should, throw, should roll the dice absolutely should roll the dice up. That's the other thing.
1: He has the connection with Ron Correct. Correct. They played all that time in Carolina. They made it to
0: the Super Bowl together, you know? They
1: made it to the Super Bowl together. So I I think Washington, if I'm... He could start on
0: Washington for sure. Yeah. And he's better than that uh, Heinke guy. Uh, Is it Taylor? Taylor Taylor? Yeah, Heinke.
1: He is. He is. Yeah, I mean they got the run game. They got a pretty solid, stable backs in Washington. Yo, and their O line
0: is actually very, very good, bro.
1: Their O line is very good. They don't have to throw the ball a ton, and he can kind of hide his deficiencies behind that strong defense. I think. Hey, if Ron Rivera, I
0: ain't chance. If you're listening to this right now, go out, get yourself some Cam Newton on the low, low, a little cheap. You know, like a waiver wire ad. You know, if I was if I was Ron Rivera, I'd be spending twenty twenty. Of my fab dollars on on uh, on, on Mr. <laughs> Mr. Newton right now. Yeah, I, I
1: think that's I think that's the home run right there. So we'll you see. should tweet it,
0: gonna... You should tweet this out to Ron straight to him. Be like, you should. I
1: think I think I am going to reach out to Ron Rivera through a Twitter account. That would be there. awesome. But uh, so speaking of Matt Jones, you know he he's flashed in the preseason. I think he looks pretty good, but you never know how a rookie's going to be. But I wanted to ask you, who do you think? He's going to have the better NFL career when it's all said and done of Mac Jones, Tua Tagovailoa, or Jalen Hurts.
0: I, uh, excuse me, I still look that Miami squad is up and coming. I like the way they think. I like the way that they're progressive. They gave him some weapons this year. So maybe between Waddle, Fuller, Parker, he has a good set of receivers. His Gusecki has a tight end, decent O-line. Uh, I believe they, uh, yeah. I mean, it, so if I were to between us, Hertz, I think is in the worst position. To be honest with you, um, Hertz is in the worst position. He he doesn't have any receivers besides like his tight ends to really throw, go there, yeah. and and Zach Hertz, you know, and that's it. There is no receiver in Philly, so I'll take Hertz out of the equation. I'd say it's between even Mac Jones doesn't make. It. I think Tua has the best shot, man. If he if they keep surrounding him with with the right uh, people, the one thing I like about Mac Jones a lot is I like his mind comes from a winning culture. He comes from you know his his his, his uh, college years were spent just pretty much wiping the floor with competition, right? Yeah. So so he knows how to win. He knows what it takes to win. I like that. If the Patriots can put some weapons behind him, who knows? You know, I say you know. It's a tie, as of right now, because Tua has the weapons, I would say now, but longevity, you know, I like Jones' game better for the long run. But
1: Tua can't even possibly win the team over because
0: they're looking at backdoor trading for Deshaun Watson. Correct, correct, correct. Uh, correct. So and if I that happens, Tua is going to Texans, and, and he gets a shot there. And, again, that's another place where Cam Newton could actually start right now.
1: He could. He could go down there. But I don't. if I'm Cam, I don't think I want well, to stay far. No, no.
0: far away from that whole Deshaun Watson controversy yeah. and whatever else. You know, I would say go to somewhere familiar. Like you said, go go to Ron Rivera. It's a good scenario for the team. I was surprised that Ron didn't go for him last year because their quarterback scenario was the same thing last year. You know, they had to bring in Alex Smith after, like, rehabbing him and everything. They had to right, bring, right. You know? It was tough. It was tough. So th- there's no reason why Ron shouldn't have taken a shot at Cam last year.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's the end of segment one. Uh, we, man, we we spent a good third of our show just on the first yeah, segment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. I, I did want to call out that uh, – um we got new movies opening up this Friday. We got Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings uh opening up, uh coming out the new Marvel movie. If
0: uh and you I can't uh, wait for that, man. I cannot yeah. wait for that movie. And the yeah. reason why is because I'm a massive Marvel fan ever since I was a kid and I have I've read some of uh the Shang-Chi comics actually when yeah. I was a kid and I love the concept behind it and I love the fact that they're exploring different realms and different genres basically of comics if you think about it it's awesome yeah. i love it brother continue continue i think you're plugging out a movie theater is it right? yes
1: yeah. all right awesome yeah. where,
0: where are we watching it where are we going to be of catching our it
1: listeners are local if any of our listeners are local cincinnati area go get to, go down to the esquire theater in clifton or go down to the kenwood mall theater mention uh our show the no huddle show with Mike and Sam And you could get two free tickets To shang and the Ten Rings What?
0: Are you kidding me? I think I'll drive back from Michigan right now Just to, you know, go down there and be like Hey, this is Sam from Mike and Sam I would like two free tickets, please
1: <laughs> So if any of our listeners are from the Cincinnati area uh,
0: Be sure to check out the Esquire Theater Or check out the Kenwood Mall Theater uh, again, it's a great movie to to be winning these tickets for. Think about it, guys. Like this this movie in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is very very important as as to setting up the, the 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 universe in the right manner. This goes back. This kind of predates some Iron Man one stuff. If you really look at some Easter eggs and stuff like that. Again, it's a it's a great concept behind it, and I think that you know if you guys can go out and 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 check it out, definitely check it out. Check it out one of those two locations. Grab yourself two free tickets, and then you won't have to worry about popcorn and soda, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I know we're going through COVID and
0: still the Delta variant, but... Put um, on a mask and, you know, you mask. know, figure it out, guys. Let's be adults about it, you know? If you want to enjoy a movie outside in the theater, be respectful, be, uh, you, know, uh, you know, responsible, and, you know, do what the right thing is. I'm not going to tell you what the right thing is because you should know. Right, yeah. All right,
1: so moving on to segment two, we won't spend a lot of time on this, but I did want to get to our final four of our. Hey, listen,
0: I, I know you wanted to jump into final four, but one more quick thing to, to, to yeah. the, the the fans out there that think we only focus on football and basketball and wrestling for that matter, um, I want to point out I am an, a huge English Premier League fan, and I just wanted to make sure that you're you're also aware that this is the first year that Messi and Ronaldo are on two completely different teams. So Messi now is with PSG. That's yep. in Paris. That's in France. And Ronaldo has gone back to Man U. Okay. So, yeah, he's back at Manchester United. He, he was going to go over to Manchester City, but that didn't work out. Harold Kane, Harry Kane ended up staying with the, with Tottenham. And, um, you know, the, the, the group kind of changed a lot. Like, if you look at the, the structure of now how Premier League is set up, Jesus Christ, you, on PSG, you have Neymar, you have Messi, you have a, a, a group of great, great, great players on Manchester United, you have uh, Pogba still, you have now Ronaldo. Again, amazing, amazing squad. Uh, I wanted to point that out. Just in case we had some football slash soccer listeners, You know, if you guys wanted to call in talk talk some English Premier League, by all means, give us a call. Michael, hey, shout-out the phone number. You, know what?
1: you know what? Maybe, uh, Sam, I'll give you your own segment to talk all things uh, football
0: uh, on Friday. Maybe we'll I would love that. Day. I would absolutely love that. Give me a nice little five, eight-minute segment. That would be great. Yeah. Okay. So, hey, but shout-out shout to out, shout out the, the, the dial-in real quick for the folks if they're listening. Uh, shout-out to the what? The dial-in. Oh, the dial-in. Beavis. Oh. Beavis.
1: Oh, Beavis. That's,
0: it's the dial-in. Know.
1: So, if you want to call in with any of your thoughts on anything we've
0: discussed, please call us at
1: five six three nine 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 three seven six one or tweet us at nohuddle underscore with ms. Uh, I'm, I'm rethinking that name because it
0: sounds like our show has a disease known as multiple
1: sclerosis,
0: MS. But really, the, uh, listen, I would say still keep it, and the reason why is because um, SM might be closer to like something that's, that's just worse, something right? So yeah. Right, yeah. so so I would stay with MS, and, and hey, listen, MS is a, a serious a serious disease. This is a plug to anyone that's listening that has an NGO that has any sort of care foundation. MS is a serious serious problem, and any way or shape or form, Mike, if we can get you know some of our thoughts out out on on the topic and, and talk to some of these foundations, man, we'll definitely shout out some of the you know uh, the great work that they're doing to to, to help and this disease or, or at least manage it for that matter right 100 percent 100 percent
1: absolutely um so uh on that note uh yeah and then you know uh, as always we will uh um, we can go back to touch on that too and uh spend some time also you know if you have anybody that wants uh that is real passionate about ms please feel free to uh call in and let us know any kind of uh Charities or different other things that uh, you want to shout out that you know uh, works heavily with people with that disease.
0: Uh, Matter of fact, actually, I, I want to ask if we can you know uh, add this to our to our stable of, of, of things. Um, Whenever we have like a like a charity month, like you know support breast cancer, support pancreatic cancer, support MS, support, support autism, I want us to continuously to plug out those support uh, structures you know throughout our shows for that entire month if if, if it's possible. 100%.
1: Absolutely. Uh I believe breast cancer awareness month is coming up in October, so we will definitely shout that awesome. out. Um All right, so moving to our uh real quickly and then what we're going to do, we're going to vote on the final four. I'm going to let you run through the bracket and
0: we'll, let's just talk like like shockers. Yeah, all right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we're going to try to we're going to try to run uh we're actually going to wrap this up on Friday's show. But anyways, Friday Night Lights goes past the Waterboy to secure a spot in the Final Four with uh, with 54% of the vote. Very close. Remember the Titans goes over the Hoosiers to also secure a spot in the Final Four. Not a surprise. Not a surprise. Not a surprise at all with 64% of the votes.
0: The Sandlot
1: upsets Rudy.
0: Uh, I, I don't we like first. that at all. I, but we I do, I do, and I don't, final you know? Four,
1: but Sandlot goes in with 53% of the vote over Rudy. Very close. And Jerry Maguire, show me the money, goes into the Final Four uh, with 55% of the vote. So all very close in our Elite Eight so, that gives us a matchup of Friday Night Lights and Remember the Titans and
0: Sam Lott and Jerry Maguire. I think it's going to come down to, to Remember the Titans and Jerry Maguire. No,
1: I think it's going to come down to Remember the Titans and Sam Lott.
0: Really? You think Sam Lott's going to pull it through to the finals, huh? Yep.
1: I do. I do.
0: All right. I'll take that so bet.
1: had a number 12 seed. A number one seed, a number two seed, and a number six seed make it to the final four. I would
0: say, so. that's not bad. I mean, considering, like, the whole range of, of, of all the teams that were pretty much out there, that's yeah. evenly distributed. You have your top two seeds, which are there uh, as expected, right? And then you have, you know, a mid-pick a mid a mid-pick seed, and then you have a later seed, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Cinderella story, Friday Night Lights, which I've been told was tragically under at 12. But, you know... That's,
0: you know, makes things fun, so. <laughs> cool, cool. Let's move on. We're going to catch the winners then uh, of that matchup come Friday, yeah? Yes. Yep, exactly. So, I just want to touch on the Jake Paul fight.
1: Uh, what was, a waste
0: uh, of time and money and, and everything. I'm sorry. That was not the matchup to be made to begin with. Tyron Woodley is washed up beyond measure. You put him in a boxing match, he sucked as, it, it, as, as an MMA fighter towards the end of his career. You want to put him in a boxing match? Get the fuck out of here. Jake, Jake Paul, Logan Paul, fight some real fucking people. Floyd Mayweather, does, Mayweather, Mayweather doesn't count because Floyd just was looking for the money, and it was just oh, an exhibition. It? it was an oh. exhibition. Shut the fuck up. And fight yeah. some real boxers that, that are fighting for current belts now. Fight a Canelo, bro, and talk to me after that.
1: Here's the thing. Max Kellerman stated it pretty, pretty accurately, I thought, on first take, uh, which I couldn't get the audio for. But he was talking about basically like, hey, I don't have a problem with Jake Paul. I think, you know, he is trying to be a real boxer. But he, what he said was he's about seven years away from being able to compete with someone
0: who's – Absolutely. Under- I would say seven is, is being, like, generous, to be frank so with you. Might be
1: generous. But he was basically saying, okay, the next guy he has to beat now, he has to fight someone that is his size, that that might not be washed, but uh, might might be his size and kind of still in their prime as a as a fighter, and probably fighting someone from MMA. Then he's got to go fight someone who has a name that that is kind of washed up, uh, past his prime as a boxer, and kind of laying out a time frame. But he's like, this dude probably has a total of another seven 16 17 fights to go before he's ready to fight someone because if you look at the guys he's fought he fought he fought he's saying
0: tyson bro get the fuck out of here are you serious right now
1: stop it with that bullshit man one of his fans one of his fans on
0: twitter and
1: i'm gonna retweet this out uh after the show said that he was better
0: than muhammad ali See, this is why, and, and this is the reason why he needs to fight a boxer. So someone from the sport needs to shut him the fuck up. He's my so French listener. The, the next guy,
1: he, there was talk about him fighting, but he looks so bad on the undercard, I don't even know if it would
0: be worth it. But he's Oh, uh, about Fury's brother? No, 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 that's all bullshit too. That's straight garbage, bro. Fight have- a real boxer, man. Fight a real boxer. That's what it is. He is
1: a real boxer. He is a real boxer, Tommy Fury. No, but he,
0: hasn't, he, hasn't, he doesn't have enough fights under his belt, man.
1: Yeah, but give the- me a
0: gatekeeper. The- give me a gatekeeper for his division in boxing, in WBC, WBF, whatever you want to call it. Give me a gatekeeper matchup. So a real boxer that kind of determines who moves up and down the rankings in, those, in that division, and give me him against one of the Paul brothers.
1: Put him against somebody. Let me just say it. Light. Let's just go light heavyweight, right? Light heavyweight. That's 165 pounds. That's about what Jake Paul's been fighting at, or so. If you put him, give me a Jean Pascal, okay? Who is several years removed from being in his prime, okay? But but is a very good fighter. Um, he's not even ready to fight him. Jake Paul's not ready to fight him, man. Jean Pascal would destroy
0: him absolutely actually, mop the fucking floor i'm sorry and then, and you know for that matter i'm uh, again either one of the diaz brothers would actually mop the floor with both of them too i'm sorry
1: that's the other thing tyron woodley has no boxing
0: experience zero man zero oh, jorge Masvidal would absolutely mop the floor with these guys
1: i don't know that though here the reason i say that the reason i say that and let me just explain this real quick is your muscle memory as a U.S. as a MMA fighter is
0: completely different than that. Okay, so listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and school you real quick on a second. So I, I don't know if you know this or not, but I've been a massive for Masvidal fan since day one. And Masvidal started out fighting bare knuckle in the streets and no legs, just boxing. My G, if you look at it, Kimbo Slice back in 2007 was running backyard brawls, and know, and, I... and Masvidal was taking out people that weighed him out by 80 pounds, 90 pounds. He was. Clean their clocks, he's bro.
1: The dude. I'm not saying that he's not the dude. I'm not saying that. But boxing and MMA, regardless of background, if you train for boxing, it's a different muscle memory than
0: when you've been doing MMA for a long
1: time. And you could see in Tyron...
0: No, I agree. I agree with that. You can see the total total shock in the system where... You know he can't throw his legs at all. He can't do or shoot, anything. Or
1: shoot to go take him down.
0: Nothing, none of that. He's got to yeah. grab and try to hope that he can hit the not take enough, not take that many hits before he clinches. You know, but still, it it uh, you're absolutely right. But Masvidal and Diaz, these guys are a different breed of fighters, man. Like they got into the MMA scene as boxers. They they grew their ground game. They grew their their wrestling skills, they grew their Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu after, but they got in as straight boxers, bro. And that's how everyone gets into MMA. They get in as a boxer, and then they learn, shit, we could throw our elbows and our knees and our legs. Bro, Sean O'Malley would, came in as a, again, he was a, he was a bare-knuckle boxer for, forever in the underground circuit. Forever, forever. He landed 200, 32 significant strikes in three rounds, which is the highest for a weight, I think, uh, yeah. is, you know, in his last match, in one of his matchups, you know, one of his tough matchups. It's ridiculous. You, you take a guy like, you know, uh, Max Holloway. Sorry, man. Max was a boxer before he got into MMA. Max will light you up. Max will light you up. So the Paul brothers, don't go after UFC guys. I don't even want you to go after UFC guys. As much as I'd like to see one of these guys clean your clock – it's cool. Go after a boxer, man. You want to be a boxer, right? These are the rules. The rules are that you want to be a boxer. You want to You want to continue the whole boxing circuit, and you want to hopefully get a belt at some point. These are all ex- exhibition matches at best, right? So if you want to be a boxer, man, if you want to be a boxer, you've got to fight boxers, dude. You can't fight okay. Nate Robinson and fucking Tyron Woodley and fucking Ben Askren, dude. You can't do that.
1: But let me tell you the problem with this.
0: Jake Paul is in this to make
1: money, and he's in it to to get pay-per-view buys. Right, fighting some middle-of-the-road boxer, fighting a middle-of-the-road boxer, doesn't do anything for pay-per-view buys. That's why he has to fight these MMA guys that have a name. Ben Askren, even though he he's a terrible striker and he was a he's a bum, let's just say that Ben Askren is a bum. Uh, and then Tyron Woodley, who's past his prime, still have name value. It's something that people want to tune in to see. People will still
0: buy that. No
1: one shit. People
0: that. people will buy a pay per view by to watch fucking Nate Robinson as well. For that matter, it's a recognizable name. I get that. Yeah, I so get that. But you know what? You can't to... be you can't be saying shit like he's better than Muhammad Ali, who was a boxer his entire career.
1: No, well, that's just the retardation, the retardation of of our society is you have people that just spout this nonsense, who know nothing about the sport. They know nothing about boxing. Jake Paul, for his first four fights, hell, I, I was an amateur boxer, Sam. I actually trained and I boxed for a long time as a young person. I would still, I would put, I'm almost 40 years old, and I would take my chances with Jake Paul in the ring. Listen, man. So I did.
0: I did. I so I did Muay Thai and, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for a couple of years as well. I would take my chances against that guy too. <laughs> Honestly, I would. And the reason why is because I hit like I got a fucking you know a, a bag of bricks in my hands. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Jake Paul got rocked
1: by Tyron Woodley. The fight went to distance. He wasn't able to knock out. And, and why?
0: Because Tyron Woodley's thirty-nine years old and way past his prime. If right. you give a real boxer or, for that matter, a real MMA guy, after he's getting rocked by that one shot, it's a wrap. Yeah. He's not seeing the next round, you know? No. It's it's like a shark when he sees blood in the water. To me, it's a, it's a side show. We'll see what he does next. But, uh, All I, right, man, let's keep it moving. We got, we're got we running like short on
1: time, yeah? He beats a real boxer, like you said. So we're going to skip ahead here. Let's talk fantasy football. We only got seven minutes left, so let's talk some fantasy football. Uh, I, you had two drafts that just happened recently. I have two drafts coming up next week on Monday and Tuesday. Um, so I, I want to hear
0: – Hey, listen, I'm going to run through my roster for you, all right? I'm going to run through my standard roster and my PPR roster, all right? So in my PPR roster, which drafted yesterday, I drafted fourth, by the way. I drafted fourth in the league, right? Uh, and I, with my first pick, I, I picked Ezekiel Elliott, you know, with the fourth pick. So, here's my squad on PPR. And this PPR league is considered our, again, uh, excuse the, the listeners, it's considered our cocaine league because the scores are so inflated. It's like six points for a touchdown, points per reception. We have a linebacker position and a safety position that we're playing, you know. Um, so, it's kind of crazy. So, here we go. We got I got Lamar Jackson, DK Metcalf, Julio Jones. Zeke Elliott, Chris Carson, Noah Fant, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner. On my bench, I have Devin Singletary, Elijah Moore, Henry Ruggs, Rob Gronkowski, and I had to pick my, my, my little baby baby boy, you know, little Debbie, Zach Wilson, you know, with my last pick. I have uh, Devin White and Derwin James as my linebacker and safety. My defense is San Francisco. So Yahoo gave me a B-plus slash A-minus a grade. For my for my team considered it was twelve
1: pretty good uh i i missed some of your
0: first after you said ezekiel Elliott. who were some of the other guys chris carson is my second running back r b two noah okay. Fant is my noah Fant is my tight end and then in, uh, we have two flex positions in this league, so it's a wide receiver t- uh, running back or tight end i've james connor in my flex positions okay okay
1: cool That's pretty good i'll have uh I'll have my draft next week. So we're going to unveil your
0: draft next week after you do it. I'm going to run through my standard list real quick. Yeah. The standard league is is rough, and I got an A-grade from ESPN. Um, uh, all right, so I'm going to run this real quick. I got uh, Josh Allen at QB, uh, Aaron Jones as my RB1, C.E.H. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as my RB2, Mike Evans as my WR1, Kenny Galladay as my WR2, George Kittle as my tight end, Leonard Fournette as my flex, Packers D, which is, has they have a tough matchup the first week, but Jameis is going to throw picks, so I'm not worried. On my bench, I have Sony Michelle, Jarvis Landry, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddle,
1: Jacob Ruggs this
0: year, huh? Yeah, I see Ruggs. I feel like he's going to be that WR one. Aguilar's gone this year, so let's see what happens. I got uh, Jalen Waddle, Jacoby Myers, and I just dropped Quadri Allison, who was the RB two. Or Mike Davis is back up in Atlanta, and I picked up J.D. McKissick because was Washington released um, Peyton Barber. Yeah, you know, so he's going to be number two right after Antonio Gibson.
1: So I want to I want to bring up something real quick
0: that leads me to one of the topics was
1: that you you're all in on Henry Ruggs. That leads me to my sleeper quarterback this year. I think Derek Carr could be a sneaky QB top to tw- what the top twelve finish in the top twelve in fantasy rankings for quarterback this year.
0: And I could see that happening, too. Again, the Darren Waller is a stud. Absolutely stud.
1: Thugs, they just brought in Kenyon Drake because Josh Jacobs isn't much of a threat receiving-wise. Kenyon Drake is a much more significant threat out of the backfield. You're forgetting
0: they have a very good possession receiver in Hunter Renfro. You know, a very yeah. good possession receiver. So, he reminds uh, me of a young uh, you know, um, who's Green Bay receiver. Who's the the Cobb and Jordy Nelson? Um, Jordy Nelson, there you go. Sorry. There it is. I was going to say I, white boy,
1: but you I know. I don't want to
0: offend anyone listening.
1: Of about like 3800 yards, 32 touchdowns and maybe like 10 and, interceptions. Right? And again,
0: I say that I think the squad is still well coached with John yeah. Gruden at the helm. It, it it's it's competent, right? The squad yeah. is is competent with a, a coach like that. It's not It's not in the shadow like you have Adam Gase like it was in my scenario for fucking too many years, you know, in my opinion, right? Then you have, yeah, Then I mean, look, this year I'm all in on that Jet squad, bro. I love it.
1: So give me a sleeper quarterback this year for you, someone that's being drafted after round 10 that you think could surprise and end up with a top 10, top 12 finish.
0: So, uh, I know people have some of these guys that I that I would probably throw on my board. They have them ranked pretty high up. But, like, I, I, in my sleeper for, for QB, for a late pick, like, if you want to go with someone that you know that can give you some good yardage and decent points, Baker Mayfield is still always in the mix. He's right. going really late, if not even picked up at all, you know, in this draft. Wow. So, I see him on waiver wires in in, in some of my leagues. So. And Baker Mayfield, because I think OBJ is going to have a bounce-back season. I think that they have a good receiving core with Jarvis Landy, OBJ. They, I think Cleve, – does Cleveland have T. Higgins or is it Cincinnati? No,
1: Cincinnati has T. Higgins.
0: Okay, sorry, take that back. So, you know, um, still, so good receivers still on Cleveland. Cleveland has good receivers. They still have, they, they still have Austin Hooper. They still have De, uh, David uh, Njoku, right? So they yeah. still have some some receiving threats and obviously a solid solid run game, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. They're running people over. They're giving the play action its name with Baker Mayfield. So I think Baker Mayfield is a great sleeper QB. Okay. Um,
1: I want to cover skip ahead real quick. Um, you can talk about the worst draft you've ever had. The worst draft you ever had. I I and that where you still managed to make the playoffs or win it. Oh yeah. Real quick, I just want to. Real quick. Last year for me was my last on the redraft. Yahoo gave they gave me originally a B plus on the redraft. They gave me a D minus. Okay. I drafted Michael Thomas in the first round with the number five. Today. Receiver error issues. I, I had Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders in rounds two and three that did not. Hurt. Sanders uh, was hurt last year. Dak Prescott, who looked like all hurt world, last year. Oh shit. But, yeah, looked like all Dak Prescott looked all world until until he broke his ankle and leg and it was gone. Tyler Higbee was supposed to be a top eight tight end who busted. Portland Sutton tore ACL uh, in the seventh round. I still and I still won the championship last year based on some shrewd labor wire pickups.
0: All right, so I'm gonna go real quick on on my my experience. So I had AP uh, auto I auto drafted the year 2012. Yeah. Ap came back off his ACL. Yeah, I auto drafted. I pick up picked up Ap in the fifth round. All right, I had Ap. I had I had uh, Calvin Johnson. I had Tony Romo. I had a squad, and I somehow I think I managed it because I had an early pick. I I think I got Zeke, so I didn't set my lineup for the first six or seven weeks of the season. And my buddy who who runs the league was just like, Yo, listen, asshole, you do realize it's a hundred dollar league? uh, What are you fucking doing? And by the way, you're leading the league in wins. And uh, 2012, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, we could go back and look at stats, but Megatron had a phenomenal year that year. So, wow. it was Megatron and AP that were spearheading my attack, and I won the league that year. And the, at the, at, it, was, it was a big pot, a 5 550 or 650 pot, right? Yeah. I gave them back 200 bucks. I was like, look, man, I feel like a complete asshole for auto-picking during the draft, and then also not changing my lineup for like seven weeks straight. You know, so... Yeah, here's some money back and put it towards my next year on the league, you know, or the next two years yeah. or whatever, you know?
1: Let, let me tell you about the season 2012 Calvin Johnson had He had 122 catches and 1,964 yards. The only yeah,
0: So Calvin went good. off and so, did, and so did AP, so yeah. He only had yeah. five
1: touchdowns that year. And the yardage,
0: though, was a points per reception uh, league. Yeah. And Let's Adrian 12. Peterson in
1: 2012. He was a pro bowler. He That was the year he ran for over 2,000 yards, Two thousand yep. ninety seven yards and 12 touchdowns.
0: Yep. Yep. So uh, I, I ran roughshod over my competition that year.
1: Yeah.
0: Insane. Yeah. But
1: that's all with the time we got. Uh, thank you for joining us. We ran over, yeah? For another, yeah, a little bit yeah. of No Huddle Show on, twos, on, uh, on a Tuesday. Uh, once again, you can find us at No Huddle Show uh, or at No Huddle underscore with MS on Twitter. Uh, please feel free to call in, 563-999-3761. We will be back to you live on Friday night uh, with a big addition uh, for the kickoff of college football, among other things. We'll have a chronic corner on Friday. So uh, it's been great. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, glad to have
0: my partner Sam back to doing it alone, I completely suck. I absolutely apologize for, for, the, for my, my schedule uh, issues the last couple of shows. Guys, listeners, if you've enjoyed listening to me, more than you've listened, enjoying listening to Mike by himself. Call in, let us know. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Mike. You know what it is. I love, I love the show. I love uh, running with it. So let's go, man. Let's, let's set up for Friday, and uh, we'll do our unveiling. Sounds good. Let's take take us out, man. Let's give us some right. home heat. <laughs>